This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. We are finally near NFL season, and I cannot wait to talk about uh, this year. So without much further ado, I'm going to give you my preview of how I expect the divisions to work themselves out, as well as players to look at in terms of fantasy performances, because I think uh, breaking it up in this format makes it a little bit easier for people to digest. Well, at least in my head. If you if you disagree, obviously let me know uh, with uh, commentary. But without much further ado, I'm going to kick things off with the AFC. And where else to start but the defending champs? we got to talk about the Chiefs. I mean, how do you not talk about the Chiefs? Kansas City defending their title. Obviously, the big talking point in the offseason was, uh, and still is, the Chris Jones contract situation. You know, for all things considered, Jones, a big part of that defense and the pass rush that Casey needs. But, all things considered, everyone was burying the Chiefs last year about the lack of uh, offensive punch without Tyreek Hill, and lo and behold, the Chiefs take care of business as usual on offense and make a couple of uh, strategic moves, namely being that Patrick Mahomes isn't necessarily taking the deep ball threat, and he's being more consistent in terms of the underneath pass routes. That obviously opens up avenues for just beyond uh, Travis Kelsey. People are talking about Kadarius Toney. Now, I look at this and say, if Kadarius Tony can't stay healthy, guess what? 
there's going to be uh, hype around Rasheed Rice as a rookie being drafted by the Chiefs. But I'm going to say this now. That is the trap. Rasheed Rice is the trap. The play you should be looking at if you don't want Kadarius Tony on your roster or Kadarius Tony gets banged up, which is pretty much a given given his history with the Giants and so far with the Chiefs, the guy can't stay healthy. The guy you should be looking at is Richie James. And yes, does that even remotely sound exciting? No, it's Richie James. But he had an excellent year with the Giants, had had over 40, uh, f- uh, 40 uh, plus catches with the Giants, was extremely efficient in the slot position. That's the guy. Because if Tony is hurt, which I think is pretty much a given, uh, Richie James should be the first guy off your waiver wire you should be picking up in your fantasy league. And in best ball, absolutely, I'm taking Richie James over Rasheed Rice. As a late round pick. Because Rasheed Rice is going in uh, somewhere around round 10 to 11 in best ball drafts. And no one's even considering drafting Richie James. Uh, to me, that should be in reverse. Richie James should be going in the back end of drafts. And that's the play, not necessarily the rookie. So, uh, you know, we'll see about that. In terms of the running game, I think you're going to see a lot of Isaiah Pacheco. But Jerick McKinnon is going to get work too. The Chiefs are still not going to prioritize the run game that much. Uh, you know, this, uh, I'm curious about the switch from Eric Bieniemy behind the scenes going to Washington. Yes, Bieniemy didn't call plays, but the day-to-day prep work, he was doing that the last couple of years. Matt Nagy's back, uh, in that role. We shall see. I mean, the Chiefs, I expect to be dominant on offense again. The defense will take a major hit if they can't work out the Chris Jones situation. The win total is 11.5, and and as competitive as the AFC is, I still believe the Chiefs are the best team uh, in that group of of this division. So, you know, we shall see. Uh, But, uh, you know, looking at everything across the board, I I just thought that uh, the Chiefs, again, no real glaring weaknesses outside of, yeah, could something happen to Mahomes? Yeah, that's every NFL team. That's not really doing much uh, for us. So uh, not uh, not much else uh, to consider there. But I, I figure it was uh, worthwhile to have that conversation because at the end of the day, the biggest thing I, I know folks are uh, – are missing out on is the fact that they're looking at Rasheed Rice and Richie James uh, without question. If you're if you're doing Kelsey and Mahomes stacks and best ball, uh, Richie James should be in in, in your mix of uh, players. Uh, I, I just think that's a no brainer. All right, moving on. The Chargers nine and a half win total. Woo, man. Begrudgingly, yes. Begrudgingly, yes. I would not bet that. But, but, uh, you've got Brandon Staley conceding more offensive uh, wherewithal to the newly hired Kellen Moore. Now, we shall see if uh, 
Kellen Moore was uh, the play calling guru or the play calling dunce at, at, that was labeled in Dallas at times. Part of it, I think, was Jerry Jones getting involved. Part of it is Kellen Moore not standing up for himself as to what play should be called. Uh, Mike McCarthy uh, in Dallas already says he wants to run the ball more. So I'm curious to see, you know, I don't think the Chargers could be any more pass-happy at times in terms of how they go about things. But I am curious to see what Kellen Moore's stamp on this team will be. This Chargers team has been underachieving for many, many, many years. That playoff loss was a fireball offense for Brandon Staley. I, I still don't believe he should be the head coach of this team. But with that being said, this is still a Super Bowl roster. So begrudgingly, as much as I hate the coaching staff, that win total number, I still got to think that the Chargers win at least 10 games this year. Begrudgingly. I still think that coaching staff is going to lose this team multiple games this year. But the amount of talent that they have, if you get a healthy Mike Williams, which is a big if, but Mike Williams, if he truly has the breakout year that we were all expecting last year, you know what you're getting out of Keenan Allen. Quentin Johnson is a, a highly regarded rookie. Austin Eckler couldn't get traded from uh, the Chargers. He had to take the deal that he got given. I think he's still going to be productive. The only question I have with the Chargers is, with the amount of carries and receiving uh, touches that Eckler has, every single guy on the list of players that had as many touches as Austin Eckler, which uh, includes Matt Forte, um, McCaffrey, uh, and then we also uh, we also had Ladanian. The year after significant workload of that nature, every single guy fell off that list. So, the only caveat I have is Eckler's going in the top five this year for fantasy purposes. I still think he's a first-round pick. I'm not necessarily prioritizing him. So, it is the caveat that I do think Austin Eckler carries some level of risk in fantasy uh, due to uh, a risk of injury, because he's been at this for quite some time, has stayed relatively healthy throughout, y- you never know. It's like some guys can get away with it. Other guys, eventually they hit that wall, and when they hit it, they hit it hard. Uh, I-, I wouldn't be shocked on Eckler having injury issues this year, but I'm hoping not. Now, the Raiders. Six and a half win total. You know, Jimmy G, if you told me, and, I, and I'm pretty sure the Raiders thought this too, that they were getting Aaron Rodgers. If you thought, like, the Raiders were making such a big fuss to get rid of Derek Carr. I I think they, had the, they thought they had the inside track on Aaron Rodgers. The fact that they got rid of Carr... And their return is Jimmy G. You downgraded at the QB spot. I don't think the offense is uh, better this year. Uh, you know, if if anything, um, it, it's 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 kind of Devonte Adams or, uh, and Josh Jacobs or bust. Like 
and already Josh Jacobs was unhappy about his contract situation. I, I mean, this is a potentially volatile situation, in my opinion, with the Raiders. Because Josh Jacobs had a ceiling year as a running back, getting into uh, the latter stages of the prime of his career. We know why the Raiders are so cheap. It's like they don't want to pay him because they, they are cash-strapped because of all the awful contracts they've given out over past years. But at the same time, you really want an unhappy superstar? And Devontae's not going to be that far behind if this team gets off to a bad start. I think six and a half wins is uh, a, a bit high. I would take the under on this team, just to be perfectly honest. I don't think the defense improved at all. This They lost Darren Waller to the Giants. Uh, they didn't really have an option to replace them, even though I think Waller's injury prone. Like This Raiders team just has a lot of things to answer for, and I don't think they have addressed those at all. So I'm definitely going to be down on the Raiders. And finally, in the AFC West, we have Broncos country. Let's ride. Uh, with the Denver Broncos, eight and a half win total, I'm taking the over. I know Russell Wilson was a complete joke last year. It is safe to say Russell Wilson's NFL career is on the line this year and NFL legacy because there's two guys whose legacies are on the line here. One, Sean Payne. Can he win without Drew Brees? And two, Russell Wilson. Was he a system of hype being in Seattle and carried by the Legion of Boom while he ran around and made a couple of plays? That is the question. And when you have two guys who are desperate to prove something, I truly believe they are highly motivated to get things done no matter what. So it may not be the cleanest pairing between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, but they are both highly motivated to achieve the end goal, which is being a force in the AFC. And I honestly think with that defense, as well as they played last year, even if the offense is only incrementally better by 20%, that is enough to make this a playoff team. The Broncos had a top-five defense last year. Despite the fact that they were hung out to dry consistently uh, by that team, they had the most three-and-outs within the first uh, uh, 12 games of the year. They had the most three-and-outs. Because Nathaniel Hackett lost complete control of that team for the jump and could not get that offense moving. When he got fired, the Broncos looked like a different team because they had quit on Hackett. No one can tell me any different. They literally quit on Nathaniel Hackett. So, that being said, I think, you know, realistically, you can consider the Broncos as a legitimate option in the AFC this year. Not too many places you can say that, but I I do think with the Broncos – you can give them full credence. So, right there, that uh, does it for the AFC West. We're going to take a quick break and then get right back to it as we tackle the AFC South. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, we are back now for the AFC South. Let's just uh, be real here. It's still not the best division by any stretch. Uh, I only have one playoff team coming out of this group. But I do think the Texans technically are going to be better. Now, I don't like their win total uh, being six and a half wins. I still think that's way too optimistic. I thought Lovey Smith got the best out of that group of players that you could possibly have. And I don't think that Casera is a good GM. Yes, they did draft uh, some uh, talented rookies, but it's still going to take some time. I think six and a half is way too optimistic of... Uh, Oh, play. Even with uh, C.J. Stroud, I think he will show some flashes of being an NFL caliber QB. The issue is, again, where does this team lie? I think this is like about a four-win team, truth be told. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of Damian Pierce, and we'll see where it goes. Like, Devin Singletary... Is going to be the backup. Uh, you know, Robert Woods is toast. I, I I think Dalton Schultz got a decent deal, but it's a one-year deal. So, yeah, he's he's going to try to ball out to get somewhere else. Maybe that's where you go for fantasy purposes for tight end. But because it's a rookie QB, it's a little bit harder to trust that he's going to get that volume that you were seeing out of him in Dallas. You know, this Texas team... Offensively, I got a lot of question marks. Defensively, they they were pretty solid overall, so they will stay competitive in games and be chippy. I just don't see a ton out of this group, so I am under on the Texans. I, I think it's comfortable under too. Uh, I, I I just don't see how they get close to six wins. Maybe six, but that's about it. I, I just don't see. I don't see the wins that other teams do. Like. I think the other teams of the division are better. Moving on, we got the Titans. Again, another team where, are they done? I don't know. Like, DeAndre Hopkins signs with the Titans. I'm still trying to figure out, like, where is this going to work? Because, you know, they're going to want to run the ball with uh, Derrick Henry. And you got uh, Traylon Burks. And Hopkins, Burks is a stud. Hopkins is a stud. It's still Ryan Tannehill at QB, but he should be able to get the ball to both of those guys. And Chico Conquo has that tight end profile where he's really a wide receiver lined up in the tight end slot. He can do damage. But the Titans want to run the ball. And Vrabel's going to want to run the ball. So it's going to be an interesting dichotomy 
just to see how much variance there is offensively across the board for this team. Because at the end of the day, they're going to be a run-first team, but they have passing options. Last year, they couldn't throw the ball once uh, Tannehill got hurt. We'll see if Tannehill stays healthy, but it, it does uh, provide some interesting looks for other teams. The Titans being at a 7.5 win total, I do like the over on the Titans. I think they can get to 9 wins. I don't know if that's enough to make the playoffs in the AFC this year. I just think it's just too stout of a year in the AFC, but I, I do think they can get to 9 wins. So I'll take the over on the 7.5 uh, total for the Titans. But, uh, you know, they're, they're a solid team, not a great team or very good team. So uh, that, that's where I have them pegged at. Next up, the Colts, 6.5 total. Give me the under and what is this situation? Jonathan Taylor in a horrible situation. <laughs> like, you got a rookie QB. Your O-line is in shambles. Like, people like keep talking about, like, when is, John, is Jonathan Taylor coming back? When is the Colts O-line coming back? The Colts didn't replace anyone on their offensive line. This offensive line is terrible. Eddie Richardson is getting no support, basically. If you're telling me that the Colts aren't going to uh, deal with Jonathan Taylor getting some money on the extension and they're going to let this play play out the string, not trade him, I, I'm, I'm wondering how exactly this is going to help Anthony Richardson. Because Anthony Richardson already needed reps coming into the NFL as a project QB. You're basically going to have him as a QB without a real tight end option. Uh, you know, Bo Alec Cox, I mean, what are we talking about here? It's like Colin Grayson, you know, and again, no Jonathan Taylor. So for fantasy and uh, best ball purposes, uh, it's going to be Deion Jackson. Deion Jackson is going to be very popular on DFS week one. I, I'm not going there. This offensive line is terrible. Like, b- people, like, like legitimately, this offensive line is terrible, folks. Uh, this is one of the worst teams in the league. Bar none. I, I, I can't be any clearer about that. Uh, and it's Deion Jackson and Zach Moss as your running back options with no Jonathan Taylor. Like, might as well have Jeff Saturday still coaching this team, even though uh, they moved on. But, man, th- this is rough. This is going to be a rough year for the Colts. And not, not, uh, not, 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 not a good time for Colts fans. Sorry. All right. And I, w- I would say cream of the division, but, like, Doug Peterson leaves a lot of question marks. We got the Jags, nine-and-a-half win total, um, Woo! <laughs> I would say, yeah, because of everyone else in their division. But, man, the Jags found ways of, like, kind of punting away games. Like, Doug Peterson did some wonky stuff. Now, yes, the Jags have the talent offensively with Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley being added to the mix. Christian Kirk, I believe Christian Kirk is the number one receiver over Calvin Ridley. And I would have said that a year ago. But if you think about it in context, Christian Kirk was widely viewed as the number two last year. He balled out last year, had over 80 catches, 
was heavily targeted in the playoff game. He and uh, Trevor Lawrence already developed a rapport. Calvin Ridley's trying to reintegrate himself into the NFL, basically being a year off for the suspension due to gambling on, on a couple of games. You have to assume it's going to take a little bit of a readjustment phase for Ridley. Now, I'm not saying he can't be the number one receiver by uh, the end of the year, but I do think for the first half of the season, there's a very real possibility uh, Christian Kirk is outperforming Calvin Ridley, and he's going to be like uh, drafted two to three rounds later than Ridley. So to me, this is a uh, Christian Kirk all-day situation. He's going to be drafted – Around the 70 range, I think you could get them around earlier in, uh, in basically every draft because everyone's focusing on Ridley. I'm not saying Ridley is a terrible play. I'm just saying for where he's being drafted, you have to know for sure he's the number one option. I don't know if he's for sure the number one option. I know defenses will treat him as the number one option and double team him, but I think that makes it even more viable for Christian Kirk uh, to have the more favorable matchups than Ridley. Uh, just because of Ridley's reputation alone. Plus, you still have Evan Ingram playing wide receiver, even though he's listed as a tight end. Uh, he's he's really a wide receiver. He'll play in the slot. The, the Jags are going to move the ball. Chris, uh, Tra- Travis Etienne is still going to be uh, pretty productive uh, until he yeah, gets some of those home run runs. Uh, I think this is the year where he's truly healthy. So I do like uh, Travis Etienne quite a bit. But do not sleep on Tank Big, uh, uh, Bigsby because uh, it, it is, uh, it is uh, an interesting dynamic that if, because we know Etienne has injury history, if for any reason Etienne goes down, you're going to see potential options for uh, uh, Bigsby open up wide, and he's going to be a running back one option if he gets the touches and the volume. That is where I truly believe you're going to see things stand out. All right, moving on. Let's talk about the AFC East. And the Jets. I mean, let's be clear. Aaron Rodgers was always going to attract uh, tons of attention. Eight-and-a-half win total, that is doable for the Jets. Why would it fail for the Jets? Because they're the Jets. Realistically, on paper, the Jets have done all the smart moves. Aaron Rodgers has said the right things. He's done the right things. He's taken the contract uh, reduction to fit in more players, to be more accommodating to the team. Like These are all the things that, if I were the Packers, I'd be going crazy right now because... You know, you begged Rodgers to do this the entire time. Didn't want to do it. Demanded, uh, basically demanded to get traded, and then he takes the c- contract reduction. It, it, it's absolutely like he really did not want to be in Green Bay and did everything possible to facilitate that trade by maxing out the money and cash strapping the Packers. No, no question about it. But Garrett Wilson is going to ball out this year. I think he puts up Monte Adams' uh, equivalent numbers. So in drafts, I'm taking Garrett Wilson over Devontae Adams. And they're both being slotted around the early teens. I would put 
Devontae Adams uh, uh, behind Garrett Wilson. And I know the vast majority will take Devontae Adams all day. I'm just saying, if I had my choice between Jimmy G or Aaron Rodgers as to which uh, receiver I would feel more comfortable backing, I'm taking Garrett Wilson. And I'm taking it without uh, feeling worried about this. So to me, I think the Jets make a ton of sense. I think from a real-life perspective, you get Dalvin Cook in there. It hurts fantasy-wise, both Cook and Brees Hall. But from a real-life perspective, I think Cook makes a ton of sense for the Jets. He takes the pressure off of having to play Brees Hall a ton. I think they ride Cook quite a bit. And then they bring the ease of Brees Hall in throughout the season into, into the second half of the year. So, to me, Brees Hall is a complete fade in fantasy this year. I don't get folks still saying that you can play Brees Hall. I think it's too high risk of a situation coming off of uh, the ACL's uh, recovery. This, to me, this this feels more like a 75-25 situation. I know f- people are going to feel like it's, it should be 60-40. Why would the Jets uh, risk Brees Hall with a larger workload in the beginning of the year? I think it's going to be 75-25 to start the year, and then you start easing back Brees Hall where it's closer to a 50-50 share by the end of the season. But for the first six weeks of the year, to me, this should be Dalvin Cook dominant, in my opinion. So that's the way I kind of look at the Jets situation. But in terms of the wide receiver options, it's going to be Wilson. And when Aaron Rodgers really loves a receiver, he's going to go to him repeatedly. Obviously, he brought uh, Alan Lazard over from Green Bay to the Jets. And he got a nice a big contract as well. Uh, he's going to be the release valve for Rodgers when he wants to improvise and go off script. But to me, this is the uh, Rodgers and Wilson show. And we're just along for the ride. So we will see how it, how it works out. But uh, to me, I, I think this is a uh, pretty straightforward situation where the route trees on offense are more clearly defined than what most people are giving them credit for. All right, next up, we've got the Patriots. Whew, six and a half win total. Man, that is very disrespectful for Bill Belichick. I know it's not exciting at all looking at this roster. We know Ezekiel Elliott looks like the dude who ate Damian Harris, who left uh, for Buffalo this year. Uh, you know... This is not, like, this is mind-blowing to me. The Pats had a chance at Dalvin Cook and opted for Ezekiel Elliott, who looks like an offensive lineman. Uh, you know, at least New England knows that they should be feeding the ball to Ramondre Stevenson all the time. The question is, is that, is that I mean, I'm saying Dak because it's Ezekiel Elliott. But is Ezekiel Elliott basically functioning as the third down back just to pass protect for Mac Wilson? Uh, you know, I just don't. I, I don't get it. Like, I don't get this uh, Mac Jones. You know, I think Mac Jones has been uh, like uh, hung out to dry. I'm just not seeing value in this offense. This defense is stout. 
I think this team wins seven games at least because of that defense. The problem is I, I can't see how this team makes the playoffs because this offense just – I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster, I mean, washed. He was washed in case he completely washed, 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 washed. I mean, I just don't know what else to make of this team. I mean, you tell me you went from Jacoby Myers to Juju Smith-Schuster. Man, that's a massive downgrade offensively. Uh, you know, Devontae Parker never developed into the receiver he should have been. I, like I said, Mac Jones has been hung out to dry. This is going to be Ramondre Stevenson, and you better hope Ramondre stays healthy the entire year because if this offense has to rely on Ezekiel Elliott carrying the ball 20 times a game, woo, this is going to be rough. It's going to be rough watching the Patriots. But the defense is stout enough that I still believe this team wins seven games. Maybe eight. That's about it. That's like... It, 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 I think it is one of those high-floor, extremely low-ceiling teams. I, I think the coaching staff will get them ready to win the uh, beatable games against the teams that they can be. I think they will find ways of stealing certain games from teams in their division. I don't see this team with any shot of making the playoffs or winning the uh, AFC East. So that that's, uh, that's the Pats in a nutshell. The Dolphins, nine and a half win total. This is uh, this is one of the toughest uh, lines there is, I, and I would not bet this at all because to me this line is entirely dependent on if you believe Tua Tagovailoa can stay healthy and not have a concussion at any point this year. If he can stay healthy, the Dolphins should be able to win ten or more games. I have no idea what to make of the Dolphins only bringing in Mike White as a backup to Tua. Yes, Mike White showed uh, signs with the Jets. But Mike White also is injury prone. To me, this is a volatile situation where, yes, in best ball drafts, I would draft Mike White in the back end of drafts if I have uh, Tyreek Hill or Waddle as my wide receiver. I, I definitely think you can back in stack. Tua is so it, – it, it's it's such an unreliable situation because with the amount of concussions he's uh, suffered, there's a very real chance the next concussion is, is the last uh, time we see Tua on the playing field. Not, not to be uh, hyperbolic, but it, it's reality. It is legit reality. Like, we saw this on national TV. So, to me – I would say that, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill is still going to put up numbers no matter who the QB is. Same with Jalen Waddle. But when you look at this uh, defense, adding Jalen Ramsey, it, I think it's a big lift for them. You know, say what you will with Ramsey, like the skill set that he brings to the table, I think he makes it very uh, helpful to defenses as long as he's not going one-on-one. But from a team health defense and, and run stopping, I think he's an excellent corner. So, with that being said, fantasy options to take a look at. Obviously, you have Tyreek Hill. You have Jalen Waddle. I would look at Devon Chain at running back. 
And I know folks are going to look at Mostert. They're going to look at Jeff Wilson. I would say Devonta Chain is probably the best option um, to consider from a running back standpoint, given the injury history of all the other running backs as well involved in that Dolphins uh, running back room. I, I would take a, a Chain as uh, the deep flyer in uh, fantasy drafts, whether it's best ball or regular fantasy. Uh, he's going closer to round 12 in a lot of cases, so I, I would definitely go in that direction. Finally, we got the Bills and a 10.5 total. I, I would definitely be on the over. I still expect two of the three between the Bills, Chiefs, or Bengals to be in the AFC title game. I, I think they're far and away the three best teams in the AFC and everyone else is trying to level up against them. That being said, it, it is uh, uh, interesting, the comments from the Bills brass that they want Josh Allen to run less, be more conservative with the ball. It, it looks like they're trying to have him mature as a QB. If he takes the advice, I definitely think that the Bills are going to be beneficial for it long term. From a fantasy standpoint, we don't want Josh Allen to be more conservative and uh, mindful of his body. We want him scrambling around. We want him bowling over folks. We want him taking deep shots out of the field. Because those quicker possessions always add up to more fantasy points at the end of games versus uh, the more dink and dunk approach that you've seen from Patrick Mahomes in recent years. So, to me, you're still focusing on... Uh, finding ways of uh, finding ways of being productive and uh, taking big shot plays. So I, I think the Bills again. When you talk about Gabe Davis, obviously you have Stephon Diggs, but I think Gabe Davis makes a big uh, big impact this year. Uh, one of my favorite plays, and from. The tight end spot, Dalton Kincaid's got a lot of hype as a rookie. I still think it's uh, Dawson Knox's uh, job to lose, pretty much, with uh, his rapport with Josh Allen. Uh, to me, this is uh, uh, th- th- this is still, you know, what 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 are we getting? Like, downside with the Bills. I don't think there's much downside with the Bills. I think they're solid across the board. The question is, can they beat Cincinnati? Because I think Cincinnati matches up extremely well against what the Bills want to do. And with that, we're going to take one final break and then get into the AFC North to cap things off for the AFC. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. As we wind down our coverage of the AFC, last but certainly not least, we have the AFC North. And with that, I want to talk about a couple of these teams because the Steelers are the dark horse everyone wants to talk up. Uh, Win total, eight and a half. You know, Mike Tomlin always seems to maximize his teams. 
Kenny Pickett, this is the year. Everyone's looking at it. It's like uh, Pittsburgh took the gamble on Kenny Pickett. And realistically, if you're going to get anything out of this Steelers team, Kenny Pickett has to be moving this offense far more efficiently than he did uh, last year. Uh, George Pickens and Deontay Johnson are going to be the primary beneficiaries on offense. Najee Harris may be a bust. And the reason why I say this is the fact that last year he was running with a steel plate in his foot. I still don't know how that is even remotely conducive long-term as an NFL running back, given his size especially. I, I look at this as a case where the Steelers' offensive line had question marks last year, still has question marks coming into this season, but there have been a couple of uh, enhancements, unlike what you saw with the Colts, that, you know, it should be a bump up. Can't I, I have a hard time seeing it being any worse than it was last year. But that's the thing. Uh, if uh, the Steelers could be a victim of the division is too good, but I'm going to err on the side of they do hit the over and you get 9 to 10 wins out of this Steelers squad. I don't see a ton of ceiling potential with with uh, the way their division sets up as well as the AFC in general. It's not the easiest of uh, uh, schedules uh, by any stretch for the Steelers. So I do think that while they are certainly capable of being a playoff team. It's not uh, out of the realm possibility that they fall well short of that. So um, more to come, obviously, as the season plays out, but uh, definitely a situation to monitor. The Baltimore Ravens, 10.5 win total. The Ravens were finally hit with the injury bug, I've been saying, has been long overdue for this squad, and it came in spades last year. You, you had injuries up and down the line, and there was no way of getting around it. Lamar was not healthy. The knee was not healthy. He wanted a new contract. He eventually got his new contract because the Ravens kind of saw what they had with Tyler Huntley, and they knew they did not have a reasonable option to replace Lamar. That being said, there's always the caveat that the injury issues do not go away now that they've started cropping up. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, uh, they honestly need him to be uh, productive moving forward, and we we're going to see what uh, we get out of this uh, Steelers, I mean this Ravens team moving forward. Personally, given all the backlash Lamar Jackson got over the past year, I think he balls out. I think he balls out in a big way. I do like him quite a bit for fantasy formats. You know, unless it's a passing-heavy fantasy uh, rule setting, and believe me, we we talk about that all the time, about knowing your fantasy rules and how they're set up. But if it's more standardized uh, scoring format for QBs, I definitely think there's avenues where Lamar could end up being the QB1 overall in fantasy this year. Just because, again, he got the contract, He's even more motivated now to prove that he's worth the contract because you know there are folks clamoring the first time Lamar gets hurt or 
falls short uh, that uh, they they instantly say, oh, see, he wasn't worth the money. So I, I definitely think you're going to see the best uh, version of Lamar Jackson this year based off of uh, how last year played out uh, given the injury situation and the contract being uh, a black hole, if you will, on that Raven squad. So moving on, we have the Browns. Man, nine-and-a-half win total is just seems high. Does anyone actually – where did Kevin Stefanski justify keeping his job after that debacle last year? So you get Deshaun Watson back and somehow manage to play worse. It, it, it is uh, it is amazing. I, 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 will, I will see what comes out of this Cleveland team this year. But nine and a half is way too optimistic, in my opinion. Uh, this looks like a six or seven win team. The offense might be good. I don't know. It's really questionable with a team that has been as run heavy as it has been over the past couple of years. When the wheels start falling off the offensive line, we know Nick Chubb's going to ball whenever he gets a chance. We know Nick Chubb's been outspoken about running backs not getting paid. Nick Chubb got paid. So he's going to try to do what he can to justify uh, running backs across the board getting big contract extensions because he's the only one who got paid. That being said, I am still very much in the skepticism camp for Deshaun Watson. And I don't think it's necessarily Watson. I think the play calling was just bad from Stefanski. So, to me, this is a wait-and-see situation, but 9.5, i, I got to take the under here. I, I'm not confident in taking the under, but I will say that them winning 10 games seems a stretch. Very much so, given the division that they're in and the competition they have outside the division. I, I just don't like this win total at all. I think it's best-case scenario, you're hitting t- uh, 10. I just think that this is a wildly optimistic total line for a Browns team that while they have talent, uh, there are a lot of questions about the people putting those pieces together. So uh, call me out on the Browns. I just don't uh, – I'm not, I'm not seeing the potential on the Browns side of things. And so that leaves us with the Bengals. Ten and a half win total. The big question is the calf situation with Joe Burrow and – Let's be fair. It is a fair criticism because they were the uh, second-pass heaviest offense last year, and they got Burrow sacked a ton. I mean, that Brown, I mean that Bengals offensive line conceded over 30 sacks last year, which was amazing considering they upgraded the offensive line, and somehow they managed to play just as poorly as they did in the Super Bowl. I, I don't know. It, 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 is, uh, it is troubling. So you got Joe Burrow with a calf injury, an offensive line that – Again, they're still trying to figure it out as to what makes the most sense, but they're going to give up sacks. But when you have Joe Burrow and you have Jamar Chase and you have T. Higgins, even if you slide in any receiver, but guess what? They got Tyler Boyd, who would be a number two receiver on pretty much every other team in the league. This is just a loaded squad. I'll be honest, this offense is going to be tough. And, again, Joe Mixon, court case and all, that's most likely not going to be adjudicated until the offseason. 
that run game is going to be solid uh, for the most part. They have the draft picks in case there's any slight drop-off from Mixon, but Joe Mixon is still a top-12 running back. And technically, Irv Smith is an upgrade over uh, in the tight end spot when healthy. Is Irv Smith going to stay healthy? That's a very good question. I, I have no idea. <laughs> it's a very good question. But from a talent perspective, uh, they, uh, they, they definitely seem to be uh, uh, a stronger squad at the tight end spot on paper. Now, uh, Mixon having a down year uh, was made up for the fact that they had some AJ P. Ryan step up. P. Ryan went off to Denver, so it's going to be Chase Brown. Uh, like I said, they drafted some running backs uh, just to have as insurance policy for Mixon, but Mixon's going to be the guy this year. And he's going to get a heavy workload. Because I think early on, the Bengals are going to have to run the ball more. And I think they'll at least make some adjustments. Now, of course, Zach Taylor could just hang out Burrow out to dry and have him keep chucking the ball when he's recovered from calf injury. I'm, I'm going to lean on the side of caution that Zach Taylor may have actually learned something in the NFL in the last two years. I'm, I'm going to go out on the limb. Because, frankly, Zach Taylor is still one of the worst coaches in the league. I will I will stick to that. I don't care how talented this squad is. They still have one of the worst head coaches in the league. But all that being said, Bengals should still be well and above uh, 10 wins this year. And again, as I said, I expect between the Bengals, Chiefs, and Bills, two of those, team, two of those three teams are going to be in the AFC title game. That That is my prediction. That's where I'm kind of landing. And overall, from a standpoint in the AFC, I think the AFC is the stronger conference than the NFC uh, point blank. Uh, so I'm more optimistic about the AFC than I am the NFC. But the NFC does have the team most likely to get back to the Super Bowl. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about uh, the Eagles uh, 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 as well as part of the NFL preview. So anyway, that's going to do it for me. Have a good one, folks, uh, and uh, be well. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.